When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Columbus Blue Jackets proving why they are one of the top teams in the NHL, coming alive in the second period and pulling away from the Edmonton Oilers in the third. 3-1 is the final. Two goals less than two minutes apart. The final damage for the Blue Jackets tonight. They have the best power play in the NHL. They score twice with the man advantage this evening. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 9.54 Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center along with former NHLer, our Inside the Game analyst Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Rob, we talked after the first period. We were pretty encouraged. Stayed pretty encouraged for about five to seven uh-huh. minutes of the second period, and then it, Columbus cranked it up, and were clearly the better team in the end. Well, the Oilers had their chances. They they have a, a four-minute power play to start the second period. They get a number of great opportunities on it. You know, wide open looks, one timers from their their star players. Brabowski was was sensational, sliding from one side to the other. Some huge saves. The Oilers deflated after that when they did not score. The Blue Jackets, you know, they, they, they picked it up. Their, their adrenaline, their emotion got better. I mean, it was it was a tough penalty for Columbus. They were furious at the end of the first period. They, Johnson gets a four-minute high stick when it was Lucic's stick that had cut Connor McDavid. And they came out with a chip on their shoulder, and they, along with their goaltender, were able to kill it off. And then it was just all Columbus. And Columbus is a good hockey club. And they looked fresher. They looked like they had uh, quicker legs, especially in the second half of this game. They were winning the races to the pucks, winning the battles. And they, they got depth. And, and the Oilers, some of their depth players didn't play as much. They got a couple guys, you know, 10 minutes or less. Columbus, all their players played relatively the same. And they just continued to come in waves. And the Oilers weren't able to to, to keep up with it. Cam Talbot did his best for, for a period of time. But once the puck goes off Sam Gagne's foot, and in the net, all of a sudden, Columbus is like, all right, here we go. And they were the better team and the team that deserved the two points. And they're a really good third-period team. They've outscored their opponents 32-17 in the third period this season. That was something they emphasized coming into this year was to be better in the third. That's worked. That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest scheme of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, you can visit albertachiro.com. You want to reach us, please do. 780 780- 0496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text 630-630. Tyler Pitlick gets the goal tonight for the Oilers and was around the net a lot, and he's probably going to be having nightmares about a couple <laughs> close calls this evening. Well, we almost had nightmares up here watching him crash headfirst into the boards on the, the one chance that Connor McDavid gave him. Uh, Tyler played well. You know, he, he limited minutes. I think he only played about... 8-something tonight, 8-12 in the game. He's plus one. He had a goal. But he understands what his role is. When he has a chance to finish a check, finish a check. When he's got the puck on his stick, throw it on the net or give it to someone else who can make a play with it and drive the net. And if the puck is in the offensive zone, go to the blue paint because that's where the puck is going to be. He's not fancy. He knows that he's not a fancy player. He's a straight-line kind of player. And if you are a straight-line player and you go to the right areas and you've got relatively good hands that he does, you can be rewarded. So Tyler Pitlick was very good for the Oilers tonight and at one point got a couple shifts playing on the first line. I would expect that's going to get him another game again. 
uh, when they get back from this three days off because I believe he's an effective part of this team when he's in the lineup. 3-1, the Blue Jackets knock off the Oilers. So Edmonton now 15-12-5 on the season, 7-7-1 at home. They have a better road record. The Blue Jackets are now 18-5-4 on the season. So they've won just purely won exactly two-thirds of their games, plus a few uh, overtime points, and they've now won seven straight. So, uh, you know, once you reach one-third of the season, it's not, it's, it's not, it's, you can't say you're surprised anymore. I mean, I mean, they, they keep doing it. Um, their power play, number one in the league coming into tonight, and they wind up going two for five, so they'll actually boost their percentage by uh, a little bit. And, you know, the first two goals for Columbus tonight with the man advantage. Uh, they, they move the puck well. Uh, they've got defensemen that can jump up in the play. They've got defensemen that can fire the puck from the point. They've got good skill, but they also have size they can put in front of the net. This is a good club. I, I mean, I've always been a fan of the, the Blue Jackets over the last couple of years. They always seem to have that one spell that just dooms them on the season where they last year they start off horrible. And a couple of years ago they had a, a bad stretch too, and then they make this big push. It's just not enough. This year they've got the good start to the season. And just their depth, if they stay healthy, they, they roll four lines. That's why they're so successful in the, the third period. They're all fresh in the third period because they've got four lines going consistently. they got guys on their fourth line that they're able to throw out on their power play. they got guys in their fourth line that play on the penalty kill. So nobody is being overtaxed. And the defensemen, I mean, they made the big cha- the big trade to Seth Jones for, for Johansson. Yep. And they've still got the offensive players up front. Now they got a stud on defense. And the biggest thing right now is Bobrovsky's having a fantastic year in net. Now, part of it is the team's playing well in front of him, but what we saw tonight out of him, he makes six or seven huge saves. This easily, the Oilers easily could have had three or four goals, but it, it is a good hockey club, and the Oilers got to see uh, what the best on the East, in the, one of the best in the East looks like, and tonight a tired Oilers club just wasn't able to keep up. Yeah, and the East, uh, you know, I, I think the East is the better conference uh, overall. Uh, I mean, you look at the, the, the point totals, and the, the Metropolitan Division has Pittsburgh and the Rangers with 41 points each, Columbus with 40, and then uh, wildcard teams, Washington and Philadelphia with 39 and 39. So the top five teams separate. I mean, Philadelphia is in a, in a wildcard spot with 39 points. Um, they'd be in first place in the Pacific Division by four ahead of San Jose. Yeah, so, it, it's a it's a deep uh, deep conference over there. It, it just every year just flips back and forth. That conference has always been more of a speed skilled conference, and right now speed and skill, as we saw last year, the Pittsburgh Penguins can win you a Stanley Cup. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Cam on the line. Cam, thanks a lot for calling. You're on with Robin Reed. Hey guys, always enjoy calling in. So. Um, and, and you guys do a really good job. Just wanted to tell you that. Sometimes you don't hear that enough. But well, Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, you bet. I really enjoy it. So, um, yeah, no, I'm going to give the guys a pass tonight. I think that it was really obvious. I mean, obviously, that Columbus team, like I consider our team to be a pretty big hockey team. And it looked like, a, you know, it looked like a midget AAA team playing against the Manham team. I mean, we're, we're big, but those guys are big. They're beasts. They've got enough skill. I mean, Yarmo's done a tremendous job putting that team together. And it's funny because I go to a lot of the junior games in different places, and I almost always see Columbus guys, even at the junior A ranks and at the at the Western League games. I mean, Edmonton's there a lot too. They do a heck of a job scouting, but it's no surprise that both these teams are as good as they are right now. And um, 
the one thing I was going to say is that we've got a couple guys. I, you know, I hate calling them out or whatever, but I mean, to me, you know, we got a couple veteran guys that just didn't show up tonight. I'm going to ask the tough question. I know you guys have to spend time around those guys, and I'm not trying to be negative, but you know, is there a point in time where we say that you know we got a couple forwards that just we're building around them right now? If you can't play those guys the big minutes and can't play them cornerstone minutes. Um, you know, is it is it time for us to look at maybe, you know, making a move or, or you know, what are we going to do? If you look at a guy like Aberly tonight, I mean, you know, he's out there. He's he's not working very hard at all when he's with that that next unit. And then they put him out with with the top line, and he looks like he's, you know, Skinner out there. He's flying like crazy. And, I mean, I guess my question is, you know, it almost looks as if he's kind of playing in protest right now when he's not out with the top guys. So, I guess that's a question I'll leave you with. I don't want to like bait you, or I'm not trying to get you guys being negative, but like, how much longer can we go with, you know, a couple of veteran guys that just you know aren't really contributing all the time? So it's my question. Well, with Jordan Eberle, a few things. As of I think last game we looked up, he was in the top 30 in scoring in the National Hockey League, and that means he would be leading a lot of teams in scoring. So he hasn't been playing as much with Connor McDavid. A lot of that he has done lately uh, with other line mates. Uh, so as far as, I mean, he's not, it's not like he's having a horrific year. I mean, he's still having a pretty good season. Uh, sometimes it, it may not look like it from the stands, but the production hasn't been bad. If you want to trade a player, you also got to look at what they're worth. Uh, contract-wise, I mean, he's a $6 million player, and if you as a fan don't think that he's worth $6 million, and I'm not saying whether he is or not, but if you don't think he is, you got to find a general manager in the National Hockey League that not only wants a $6 million player that you don't think is worth, and you got to give up a player coming back, and you're not going to give up uh, a Jordan Eberle or a Nugent Hopkins or a player of that ilk for nothing. So... Uh, I think that there's more to give from Jordan. I think there's more to give from Nugent Hopkins. And the reason I say that is because I've seen in the past what they're capable of, uh, of doing. So I, I feel that uh, this season isn't over for either one of them. They need to be better because if they're better, this Oilers, or, this Oilers team is better. Uh, was it a great night for, I mean, in the first period, that line was very good with Maroon on it. They just need to have it consistently. And I think part of it is confidence-wise. I don't think they're playing with the same swagger that we've seen them play with in the past. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Columbus over the Oilers 3-1. Edmonton's only goal scored by Tyler Pitlick, his seventh of the year. That means a $25 do, uh, donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. 25 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. You know, we've been tracking face-off stats a lot lately, Rob, and we should touch on these because the Oilers won 64% of the draws in tonight's game, and obviously the puck possession doesn't result in a win. And Nugent Hopkins, another good game. He goes 11 for 15 for 73%. Connor McDavid goes 8 for 9 for 89%. Latestu 10 for 20, 50%. And Drysaddle 5 for 9 for 56 percent couple wingers took a couple draws but uh i mean face-offs is one of those stats i think when your team loses you always look and say oh see they only won 44 percent so they didn't have the puck enough 
Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, I mean, this, that, I, I'd have to go back and look. This might be the Oilers' best face-off game of the year as uh, as a team, but yet, especially in the second half of the game, didn't seem like they had the puck a whole lot. Well, they, they would win face-offs and then get beat to the corner where the puck went. I mean, Columbus, they came at them hard, and the Oilers looked tired. They looked fatigued. Columbus didn't, and as the game wore on, Columbus got better in the Oilers. They seemed to slow down a bit. All right, 3-1 is the Columbus final tonight. They've won seven in a row. 780-496-0063 is how you can get a hold of us. You can also text us at 630-630. Matthew, do we have uh, Todd McClellan standing by? All right, here is head coach Todd McClellan. This is courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts at wholesale prices. I thought that happened about halfway through the second after our uh, power play opportunities that didn't go in. We had some real good looks, and the game started to turn then, and they uh, they got a little energy off of some of our turnovers and got rolling, and uh, the game was different from that point on. Um, you know, then when we don't score on the power play, they get a couple. It's it's pretty deflating and. You can see it took a lot of life out of our team. How much of this game is Columbus just made a better team? How much is your team meant to be? Well, Columbus was the better team, and by the end of the night, um, I thought for the first half of the game we competed um, with them or above them, uh, drew our share of penalties, but by the time the game was over, they took it over. And... and uh, you know, we had we had enough time yesterday to to rest and get prepared. I thought we could push it a little bit longer, um, but coming from behind against a team like that, there's been a lot of teams in the league that haven't been able to do that, and, and uh, you can put us on the list as well. Yeah, we'll we'll have a we'll have a day off tomorrow. Uh, they'll come to the rink on. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Come to the rink on Thursday, and when they arrive, we'll have a, a plan for them. We may do more off the ice than on the ice on Thursday, as far as reviewing our foundation, what we uh, what we want to do in different areas of the rink. Um, basically, have a classroom type session, and then uh, skate on Friday, and uh, hopefully have the batteries recharged by then. Got to follow in the lead of uh, I think Calgary and. Winnipeg, we're, we're doing the same thing with their three days. I'm sorry? we got to get a mic in here because I can't hear anything up here. Please. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't think Drake had um, his first three or four shifts in the game weren't real strong, and obviously Pitter was playing well. Uh, and then by the end of the night, we're just trying to find combinations of three uh, even two lines that had a little bit of pop a little bit of juice left in them to uh, to find a goal thought he did well um, you know, it's been a long time since he played um, and his play time was exhibition season basically um, even from last year so I, I thought he did well he was aggressive below the goal line aggressive in the paint um, his passing skills and reads are going to get a little better uh, once you get some polish under him. 
Okay, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. The Oilers lose 3-1 to the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh, clearly commenting on the, on how Columbus was able to, to take this game over. Rob, I, I didn't point out, I mean, it took almost 13 minutes for the Oilers to get a shot in the third period, and, and the period started tied 1-1, and it took almost eight minutes, well, just over seven minutes for Columbus to score. So, you know, that shows you how the game was going even when it was still tied, and the Oilers shot was a flip from the blue line that might have been going wide but Bobrovsky grabbed and and uh, and swallowed it up so it was a game they uh they they, com- they completely took over they looked faster they they looked stronger and uh I thought Talbot had a good game but but in the end Bobrovsky slightly better as well uh yeah he was and Bobrovsky was uh, he gave the Columbus Blue Jackets time to find their game and when Columbus found their game it was a game that the Oilers couldn't match. Um, they couldn't match it uh, mostly because their fatigue, they look tired. But I, I, I would wonder if, if both these teams are fully rested, if the Oilers were, you know, uh, in a best of seven, would they beat Columbus? Columbus is good. Yeah. I mean, they, they're just, they, they got depth. They got very good defensemen. They got fantastic goaltending. Their power plays good. It is a team that... Is, is going to battle to be one of the top in the Eastern Conference, and when they're rested, they're going to be a hard team for the others to beat, as we saw tonight. Uh, we got a text here from Dustin to 6.30, He goes, well, it's time to blow it up and start all over. Kidding, LOL. Uh, then he says, I think the Oilers are gassed and need rest. Talbot needs a break. Then Dustin asks, do the referees get penalized for missed or blown calls in the NHL or the NFL? I know it's not why the Oilers lost, but seriously, both leagues have blanky reffing I'll uh, sub it over there. well we're not doing the LA Rams post game show if we were we talked about their coach being fired I don't know why I picked the Rams the Seattle Seahawks whoever you want uh, look he, he's right the the maybe the worst call we've seen in a game this season went in the Oilers favor um, they weren't able to take advantage of it it's too bad they couldn't score uh, but anyway to, to, to get back to his point do the referees get penalized they, they, the NHL keeps a lot of that behind mm-hmm. closed doors but you see stories from ex-refs or you hear things it will be a, they will see video you know yeah well the, the one way that they get penalized is they get rated throughout the season and the best refs through ratings are the ones that do the playoff games and the better you are the further you go in the playoffs and the refs that are not up to the standards that they want them to be they don't get playoff games this was it was a, a poorly refed game I mean the one that would bug bug me as a player and it bugged Tortorella obviously is when you make a call that you don't see. And then that would he, he the the video shows him looking away from the player McDavid who got the stick in the face and he sees McDavid grab his mouth and he puts his hand up at that point go to your lines and if there's blood go to your lines and go to the other back referee and talk to them but once he called it he called it and that's a, a four minute penalty it could have changed the complexion of this hockey game but it wasn't just on that one there there was a couple of the the one that was the worst for the Oilers the Oilers are on a power play and Drysaddle comes. With speed up through the middle, makes a great move at the blue line. He's going in, and a corkscrew in his legs. He kind of turns, falls. That's a five-on-three, and five-on-three success is is very good in the National Hockey League. There's a goal that you just might have taken away from the Edmonton Oilers. So uh, it was not the best draft game that I've seen. Not the reason the Oilers lost is Columbus was a better team, but the go- the the referees certainly should be rated and and held accountable for for the games that they have as well.
TJ Luxmore and Ian Walsh. Well, uh, I, 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 Walsh is a, Walsh is a veteran referee. I've seen around for a long time. The other guy, TJ, when they showed the close, he looked like he was 16 years old. Well, maybe he is. I've, I've never. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe he won, won a contest. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I've got a texture from Marcus just along those lines. This is an interesting question. Marcus says, Rob, you've been on NHL benches who have been upset by calls. The TV show Tortorella yelling after the high stick call. Would have he kept that up throughout the game or would he get it out and then hope the refs make makeup calls? That's from Marcus. Uh, he's doing it for two reasons. One, he's frustrated, and he wants the referee to know he's frustrated. And two, he's doing it to let the referee know you made a mistake. If Tortorella would have said on the bench, seen the video, knew that the ref made a mistake, and then just said, all right, it's a mistake, I'm going to leave it, leave it go, the ref may never have known he made a mistake. He goes ballistic on the bench. The referee goes in the restroom like, why is he so mad? The line, Well, you know what? He, It wasn't a high stick. It was, I think it was his own player. Oh, God, okay, now... The referees will never say, I will make it up. But human nature says, all right, you know what? I kind of owe that guy. I gave them a four-minute penalty. So that's another reason Tortorella did it. Then afterwards, if I'm Tortorella, I send either a player over to talk to the ref at the beginning of the period or I quietly talk to him say, you know what? You missed that one. You owe us. And now as the the, the game goes on, you hope that the referee somehow makes amends. All right, Sam Gagne back in town. He's uh, played for a couple uh, organizations before landing in Columbus. He's having a good season. Gets a goal and an assist tonight for the victorious Blue Jackets. Here's Gagne for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. There's a nice welcome back. Hey. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Um, thought uh, team took a little bit to get going, but uh, you know, once we started playing, I felt like uh, we had a good um, second half of the game, and uh, you know, Bob played great for us again. So that's uh, that's a big one for us. Kind of a familiar script for you guys. The power play is a big point for you guys and then the third period you guys seem to take over yeah i mean um i think we got to find ways to to be a little better to start that game um but uh you know i i think you know throughout this year we found different ways to win um uh, tonight it was our power play and our goaltending and um you know i thought uh, we took over in the, the latter half of the game so um uh, we got to learn some lessons from it and be better next game. Is your goal indicative of your season? The puck seems to be bouncing for you right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, power play's working. We're in right spots. Um, you know, obviously uh, you'll take that one when it goes off and in and, uh, um, you know, keep trying to get better, I guess. Sam, can you talk about the importance of that kill to start the second? Yeah, it was really important. Um, you know, obviously a, a tough call. I, I don't think the ref saw, um, you know, what happened. But, uh for us to kill the four minutes off, um, you know, it's huge for us. It gave us huge uh, momentum, and, um, you know, I felt like uh, we did a good job after that. Does this win here in this town have special meaning for you? Um, I, I think at this point they're all the same. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's always fun just winning hockey games. Um, you know, I've been on a lot on the other side, so uh, uh, I think uh, we're on a good run here, and we want to keep uh, pushing forward, and uh, we got to push on to the next game. Do you guys feel you had a bit more energy in that third period than the owners did? I'm not sure. I, I thought uh, we got back to playing our game. Um, got to, to, we had a little swagger, um, you know, going into the third period, and um, that's the way we got to play. We talked about it in between periods, and you know, we felt like we didn't have a good start, and uh, we were only down one after one. So, um, you know, that was uh, good for us, and we just uh, kept pushing. There you go, Reed. Thanks, Scott. Scott Johnson in the Columbus dressing room. Gagne is 12th goal of the season, his ninth assist. The Blue Jackets take it 3-1. 780-496-0063. Mike is on the line. Mike, thanks a lot for calling. 
How you doing, right? We're doing well. Good, good. Um, uh, it's still exciting times here for the boys. I mean, we're still five points from being out of the playoffs. This is exciting. Um, but my question to you guys is, is Peter Shirelli um, thinking yet about trades? Um, I only ask because um, would now not be a good time to start thinking about trading that number one overall pick next year? Or am I way out of line and is that a big deal for a GM to make that move? I know Shirelli's done it in the past, but you know, I, if there's any team in the league that can afford to go a year without a, a number one pick, I would think it's got to be the Oilers. Um, <laughs> the, the, the problem the problem for that is that the league right now is so close. The Oilers' first pick, I mean, no, the, a GM trading for him has no idea where that pick is going to be because the, yeah, the league is so tight right now point-wise. Is that going to be uh, 10th overall? Is that going to be 24th overall? And that is a huge difference if you're trading for that pick because you you just don't know there's going to be it could be so many different numbers because there there's nobody separating the Oilers aren't falling way behind and nobody's taking off so I don't think anyone is going to want to trade for a first pick not knowing where that first pick is going to be yeah that's a good question i mean maybe i mean trade deadline sure if things are are spaced out a little more and a gm might look and say okay, the Oilers are, and I don't think he would trade it unless they're going to make the playoffs. So maybe another GM says, okay, Edmonton's going to finish between 8th and 14th overall, so I'm going to pick between, what would that be, 18th and 24th or, or, or whatever. I mean, I don't think if the Oilers were falling out of it, is he going to trade another lottery pick to finish yeah. a little higher? Probably not. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's looking at that yet, I guess, is our short answer. Yeah, and I guess I, I just thought of that too. I guess it's it's even tougher to um, to win that number one overall pick. I mean, fifteenth can he jump all the way to first now? Yes, with the new rules and yeah, stuff. Yeah, anybody, uh, anybody can move up. Yeah, that that, that missed okay. the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, second quick question. I'll let you guys go. Uh, the travel schedule. Uh, this seems like it's a it's a yearly thing that we talk about in Edmonton and. Uh, how much more travel we have to do to the other teams? Is there anything to leak? Do you think they're looking at it? Do you think this is something Daryl Cates is bringing up with Gary Bettman? Or, or is there just no way around it? There's, well, there's no way around it, really. It's the, the way the league's set up. You, you must play every team from the Eastern Conference. So they have one game against everyone out there. And then there's a certain amount in your conference, a certain amount in your division. It just it sucks. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks will tell you, it, they're gonna, they have a bad schedule. Uh, yeah. the, the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that have bad schedules. The teams in the East, like I played in the East for most of my career. You're back in your own bed most nights when you're on a road trip. You, you'll you play somewhere, then you go fly home after the game. Next well, night, you play and you somewhere. get to practice the next day as well, right? Absolutely. And, I, and, and you practice at a normal time. Yeah. 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 All right, I mean, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, I think, oh, just thanks, Mike. I mean, we've talked about the bye week. I've kind of said, I mean, I know the players wanted it, but I've kind of said, okay, you're going to get an extra, uh, you know, five days off at some point in the season, but in other points in the year, you're going to be playing more often. Maybe the depth guys get shuffled in another lineup. Maybe someone is hurt, but Rob's right as well. There is an east-west thing, and and I talked to Mark Letestu early last season. Uh, He'd come over from Columbus, um, and he's he said I he said I remember one month where we played Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday the whole month. You looked at the monthly calendar; it was a strip of games. And he said Friday and Saturday, it wouldn't always be both home or both away. But he said you might play Pittsburgh, Rangers, Washington. Pick a pick an Eastern city in the states on the Friday night, 
and you'd still be home back to Columbus by midnight. Yep. You know, if you know, Mark's got got a family, still have some time to say goodnight to everybody, get up at a reasonable time the next morning. Well, so. you start adding the family part into it too. When if you're coming back from a long road trip, that if you're out out west here and you fly all night and you get up the next day, you still have family duties, and you got to get that in as well. And you're tired, but you have to do that. That what you got to do. Out east, it's much easier. So the family do you got more time to do it, and it's not scram. When I played in Pittsburgh, say I was in, we were in bed in our own bed most nights after games. I got traded to Chicago, from from the east, and my first day with Chicago was the first of a 19-day road trip. I'm like night we, 19 days. And that's a pretty go, central city for travel. But usually. it just yeah, it just happened to be that's when they went out on yeah. their western swing. But it, I'd never seen things like that before. So the West, it, 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 I know when they do the Stanley Cup Finals, a lot of the times if they got one from way out east and one from way out west, they show the combined miles that they both flew over the course of the season and how much more the Western Conference. But that's just the way it is. The Western Conference have a lot more distance between the cities. Where out east, uh, you could bust to some games. Out east because they're so close. Yeah. Now, having said that, hey, it's not an excuse. No, good good no. teams in the West still win. LA's won the Stanley Chicago Cup. Chicago Blackhawks. In have. the 1980s, the Oilers traveled yeah. a lot. The Calgary Flames traveled a lot. They were two of the best teams. Uh, and that was back before Charters too. I, I think maybe the question, you know, and I think could it had could it be more balanced so you don't have the Oilers already playing 32 and Columbus playing 27? But oh, I guess I'll give the credit to the schedule maker that it's probably a lot harder than it than it seems like just talking about and it's not just doing the schedule you also have to throw in the the other dates that are in arenas so they you can say well i'd prefer we would add this well you probably shouldn't have had nine concerts that month right so <laughs> i mean i i can't see that being an easy job doing the schedule and every team Little bitch about the schedule. Every team, I mean, I'm sure Columbus at times this year has said, "You know what? I wish we played more. We're getting, I mean, we're getting lazy around here." Right. So <laughs> no, there's never been a coach that's liked to schedule, no matter what sport and what place that team has been in. Blue Jackets win 3-1. No Japanese Village goal light tonight on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. When the Oilers do score five or more in a game, we'll turn it on, and you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. we got to take a quick timeout. Then you will hear from the one and only John Tortorella when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Columbus 3, Edmonton 1 for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Here's the winning head coach, John Tortorella. John, you guys didn't really seem to find your legs until you got that kill in the second period. How, how important that was that to you in the scheme of things? Yeah, I thought we did a really good job in the first two or three minutes of it, and then Bob was outstanding. When we uh, broke a stick and Calvi turned it over, Bob made two or three great saves. And from there, uh, even before that, you could see we were finding our legs. Uh, first period, couldn't make a play. Uh, I thought we were stuck in mud a little bit. But from then on, I thought we played very well and, and checked very well and trying to shut down their speed. They're a fast team. I, I thought we did a pretty good job through the neutral zone and, and getting to them early. Did you need that PK to, to get their attention maybe? Get no, that's not how we write it up, Dave, is to take a four-minute <laughs> penalty and, and kill it. No, uh, I, and, and quite well, I'll just leave that alone. Um, no, I, I thought our game was coming. 
but you do get some momentum from killing it. Um, and we just, I, I don't think we panicked. Uh, I didn't think we competed that hard in the first period. But then we found ourselves and, and just played and rolled four lines and, uh, and let them play. And I, I thought they did a really good job away from the puck, and, which created a lot of offensive chances yeah, for us. Just like the other night at home, the third period was a difference where you just wrestled control of the game away. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've been fortunate. We've, uh, I think we feel pretty comfortable playing in those third periods right now. And uh, we're just going to keep on trying to ride that momentum on how we feel about ourselves in those situations. So, um, yeah, it, 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 you win games a lot of different ways. Uh, uh, first period, I, I wasn't sure where we were going to be. Uh, but uh, give them credit. They found their legs and they played. Another strong game by Sam today. It looks like the puck is, is kind of bouncing for him. Yeah, Sam's a, Sam's a good power play guy. Uh, uh, makes a great, you know, he's just fantastic with his stick. I think that might have gone off his skate, his goal. Makes a great play to Cam uh, and also makes some other good offensive plays. He's kind of a, a utility guy for us, uh, the way we're using him right now. And um, I'm happy for him coming back here. And uh, I'm just happy for him because uh, how he, the situation was in during the summer. Uh, where he's pr pretty much out of the game, and where he is now, I think it's a tr just a terrific story. Bob has been great for you all season. He hasn't really needed to steal games for you until recently. Have you seen? Has his play elevated even for you here? Well, in the last well so? I thought we played uh, uh, pretty well for most of the game. Where, where Bob was in front of him, uh, where Bob was good was that penalty kill, yeah. and then in spurts, a couple of great saves. Uh, I think Bob's just been solid right through from the start of the year right on through. And uh, uh, for a lot of the year, I think we've played pretty well in front of him. Uh, but when, when we have breakdowns, especially where we break that stick and they have chance after chance, uh, he, he, just, he, he just looks like he's ready for that. It's not a lot of extra movement. Uh, he just makes key saves at key times. It's such a galvanizing moment. To get, you, you have a guy without a stick. You have another guy who's got a, a left left yeah. stick for a right he shot. Tried to clear the puck with that stick it's and couldn't. Right. Yeah. It, those moments, you, you seem to be grabbing those moments. Yeah. This I, year. I, yeah. I, I think you know. Previous, maybe maybe that ends up in the back of our net. Uh, um, you know, you, you you just you just hope you you ride that type of momentum of getting some breaks and getting key saves at key times as long as you can. Uh, there there is going to be games where it goes the other way. Uh, that's when we're going to find out uh, where we are as far as that mental part of the game. But right now we've, uh, the thing I like about it is I basically just rolled the lines and, and, and opened the gate and let them play. And uh, I think they're taking responsibility for their play. And that's, that's really important for a young team that it isn't the coach uh, grinding them and, and doing this, doing that. They're, they're taking responsibility for their play. Does it affect your kill in any way when you see a replay that verifies it probably wasn't even no you can't you know and, and the refs were good about that you know it, that's a tough job it, it, to be a ref in this league people crawling up your ass all the time when you're uh it's a tough job when you see these bang bang plays they see a guy get hit in the face they right. they make the call but you know what happens you end up killing it off it, it really wasn't a penalty right. uh so you end up killing it off so i think the hockey gods kind of help you there a little yeah. bit so uh, and then it gave us some juice. It gave us some juice as we as we continue to play. Any concern about your starts? I mean, you've, you've had some. You're winning so many games now. But I, quick pick on us apart. Yeah, I know. I just wonder. No, I'm not even answering the question. I'm not even answering the question. You done? Good. Thank you. All right, he's done. 
That's it, Coach. John, John Turo. Oh, fair point. When you win, like, well, well, or, or, <laughs> we said that a couple of games. Oilers won, and people were upset. We're like, what? It should have been seven nothing instead of five. Like, well, yeah. his point on that one is, you know what? Let's. We're going to get picked apart when we lose. So we win a game, a big game on the road. We feel good about ourselves, and it was a game that they deserved to win. They were the better team by far. He doesn't want to hear negative questions about it. There's, there's going to be plenty of times when they have the bad games where you can ask those questions. So, And I have a feeling by the sound of his voice and using a name, he knew who the question was coming from, and he just did not want a question from that gentleman. The Blue Jackets win tonight, surging past the Oilers in the second half of the game. 3-1 is the final. Still ahead, you'll hear from Brandon Davidson, and we're looking for somebody to play, finish the play. 780-496-0063. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. William Carlson unable to pump that puck out. Battled for and now kicking it ahead is Matt Calvert. Short-handed breakaway. In on net, wrist shot, glove save made by Cam Talbot. Short-handed breakaway for Calvert early in the second period. That's Cam Talbot's save of the game. For Armor Insurance, protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot finishes with 28 saves, takes the loss. Sergei Bobrovsky, very good tonight, 33 saves. He's your winning goaltender. Columbus wins 3-1. 780-496-0063, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, and we are ready to finish the play with Ron tonight. Ron, how are you doing, buddy? You feeling confident? Uh, yeah. did, you watch, did you watch the game? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Well, I think this is from the first period. Let's see what Matthew has. Carlson, deep left corner, out to the point. Ripped toward the net. Nudabara did not get it through. It was deflected away. And now Milan Lucic, effective body positioning ahead of McDavid. All right. McDavid oh, coming in there. Does he shoot or pass? <laughs> Does he shoot or pass? He passes. Let's find out. Carlson, deep left corner, out to the point. Ripped toward the net. Nudabara did not get it through. It was deflected away. And now Milan Lucic, effective body positioning. Ahead McDavid, back to Lucic. Wrist shot, save made by Bobrovsky. There we go. Ron successfully finishes the play. He's in the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire. Visit Integra Tire Auto Center to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Always good to have a finish the play winner, Rob Brown. It is. It is. And that's pretty. That was the part that he watched. He only said he only watched part of the game. That was the part he that watched. That very play that he watched. Mm-hmm. Columbus uh, wins it 3 1 tonight. Uh, the Oilers falling to 15 12 and 5 on the season. Here's how the scoring broke down Pitlick at 10 06 of the first period, his seventh. Power play goals by Columbus. First at 7.59 of the second period from Gagne. And then at 7.10 of the third by Atkinson. Even strength Calvert at 8.46. Uh, Atkinson can shoot the puck, eh? He can, I, I like him as a player. I, a couple of years ago we saw him and he kind of having a breakthrough season. He just doesn't doesn't quit. He keeps going. He's got good speed. He's got a good shot. Uh, not blessed with a ton of size, but it, it doesn't seem to affect him the way he plays. He plays a lot bigger than he is. All right. The three stars tonight, Pitlick, the third star, Gagne, the second star, Bobrovsky, the first star. Our fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, 
we always pick an oiler for this one. Uh, no, I mean, nobody stood out with, uh, you know, uh, an, an incredible game for the Oilers tonight, but one that was very consistent tonight was Mark Letestu. He had an assist. He was plus one, led all forwards for the Oilers with 20 minutes ice time, led all Oilers in shots with five and was 50% in the circle. All right, and, uh, yeah, Letestu on a bit of a streak here. So we can get points against teams other than the Winnipeg Jets. We did, <laughs> we did, we did find that out tonight. Brandon Davidson returned to the lineup. Let's hear from him courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts at wholesale prices. Herbt is getting a break. That's a good thing. I think that uh, will help tremendously. I think that uh, we've lacked in practice time. I think you've heard Todd say that, but um, even for, for myself and then for the rest of the guys, it's almost like uh, nice to get a little rest, but uh, also time to work as well. So it'll be good uh, these next coming practices to kind of uh, reestablish ourselves. Brandon, like to the party, just how was the game for you coming back after all this time off? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it's a fast game out there. I think um, I kind of uh, did a good job of staying in my comfort zone for the most part. Um, definitely have more to give, um, and uh, that'll come, I think, with time um, now that uh, I feel back in the mix. So um, I'm excited to kind of see where things go, but uh, also a tough one to lose that one tonight. Is that a team that looks pretty confident that they only lost five games all year, and they hung in after the first period early in the second? Wrapped it up yeah, I mean, they hung on in the first, and they just uh, played their simple style of hockey, and it's, we, you, you see it every night from those guys. I think that um, maybe we beat ourselves a little bit here tonight and didn't uh, stick to the details. So um, it's a good hockey team over there, but uh, we also didn't uh, help ourselves. Yeah, I, you know, we got to get pucks in. That's That was the big thing tonight, the blue line and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, we got some work to do for sure, but um, definitely um, something to look forward to this week. Read that's Brennan Davidson. Thanks, Brendan. Brandon Davidson back in action. I mean, I'm optimistic about how this, this young man can play, given how we saw last year. I'm not going to evaluate him based on one game too much, Rob. But at the end of that interview, he mentioned getting pucks in at the blue line. And one thing I I often say this, we will we'll sit in the studio at Chet and watch the road games together, and I often bring this up. You know, I, often, I, I watch that area inside both blue lines. Who's winning those battles? Is the defensive team getting it out, even if it's a non-glamorous chip out? Or is the offensive team able to hold it in or win a race to the puck? And I thought when the Oilers were carrying first 20 minutes of the game, I mean, we had some plays Columbus had chances to clear, blatantly didn't shoot it hard Mm -hmm. enough or pick the wrong lane, and the Oilers held it in. And then I thought that shifted second and third period. Columbus was quicker, the Oilers were under pressure, and they weren't able to get those pucks out in that that really critical area. Well, coaches stress that every pregame meeting, every uh, meeting between periods, they'll talk about winning battle areas, and they'll put they'll go they'll show the board up uh, in the end of the dressing room, and they'll put a big squiggly line. We have to win this blue line. We have to win that blue line. If you give a team an extra life in the offensive zone, if you've got control of the puck and you don't get it out. You're given an extra life. And we've seen how many times this year where goals have been scored where one team had control of the puck, they didn't get it across their own blue line, the other team comes down and scores because you gave them extra life. On the same thing, if you don't get the puck in at the offensive line, you're shortening the ice for the other team to come back offensively. So you come up there, everyone on your team's thinking, all right, we're going offensively, here we go, he's going to get it in. And when he doesn't, all of a sudden, that transition coming back at you, it catches you off guard. The Oilers were good early. They were not as good late. And I think part of it is they, were, they weren't as good, but Columbus was much better. And I think Columbus's will was just a little bit more than the Oilers tonight. Part of it because they, they had a better team tonight. Part of it because of fatigue. 
but those battles were won by Columbus, and on the score scoreboard, it was won by Columbus. Yeah, and that led to that third goal by Columbus, bending up the wall, can't connect with Maroon to get it out. Kajula was there, couldn't get it out either. Columbus, it was kind of almost a little mini two-on-one. They were they were Oilers coming back, but they weren't really there taking the play away. They were chasing. They were chasing, and uh, Calvert finishes, so he and, gets the third goal. And the, on that one, it's going to be a good coach, uh, coaching moment for, for, for the Oilers because Benning has the puck. He's got to get it off the boards high. He doesn't. Maroon, who's up there, he's got to be on the defensive side of the D-man. He isn't. So Benning doesn't get it up as high as he wants, but the defenseman was inside of Maroon. So all of a sudden, he stops the puck. Now Maroon's chasing his guy. Benning is caught flat-footed because the puck moves down, but now he's chasing his guy. And when you are chasing in your own zone... It does not usually end up very good for you, as we saw right there, and that was a big goal for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Oilers scored first in this game. They put the puck in the net a, a second time. Once again, Zach Cassian involved in the play. 4:07 left in the first period. Rob, the goal was waved off for goalie interference. It, it was the right call, and I don't. You didn't see a lot of argument from the Oilers on that one. The, when you watch the jumbotron, Cassian's foot was behind the pad of Abrowski, not allowing him to move his pass or pad. And it's simple: if you impede the movement for of a goaltender in the blue paint, it's no goal. And Cassian certainly did that. If Cassian actually was more in the crease, further away from the goaltender, it, it might have counted <laughs> because if it, it just his his leg was right up against the back of, of Barboski's uh, pad, so there was no way that was going to be called a goal, and that's too bad because that would have been a big goal for the Oilers. Yeah, and I don't know if it factored in, but also on that replay, Rob, and he didn't do it intentionally, but just the way Cassian was pivoting in the crease, his stick actually hit Bobrovsky's arm as the puck was coming in. I don't know if that factored into it. You know, we, and we saw the Oilers have a goal reviewed that stood for goalie interference in Minnesota when Maroon was screening Dubnik on Nugent Hopkins' power play goal that he snapped short side and Minnesota challenged and, and the goal, the call on the ice stood, which was a goal. And the difference there is there was a little bit of contact when Dubnik came across, but Maroon did a great job there setting his feet just outside the blue paint. And if he's standing there, you know, facing the play, if he's not turning around, mm-hmm. fiddling with the goalie on purpose, they'll let, they'll, I mean, there can be contact if, if the guy's outside the crease and, sometimes if the goalie is the one that initiates it. It's key for the, the offensive player to put his feet where they belong, just outside the crease, and just implant yourself there. Now, if the goalie wants to go around you or go through you, well, that's up to him. You, you've got you've staked your claim there. That That is your spot. And it was a good play by Maroon. And it, 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 it takes the eyes away from the goaltender, but it also, the goalie starts to, to start think about you. And so it takes, for just a split second, he's not thinking about the shooter or the where the pass is going because he's focused on you. And that's what a good net presence does. And Maroon, Lucic, uh, we've seen over the course of this year, have been very good at the, the net presence. Columbus over the Oilers tonight, 3-1. You'll hear from Milan Lucic when we get back. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 3-1, the Columbus Blue Jackets over the Edmonton Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Thanks for joining us. It's 10:51. along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, your scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals. Here's what's happened uh, has happened in the NHL tonight. Sabres beat the Kings 6-3. Washington over the Islanders 4-2. 
Chicago wins 2-1 over the Rangers. How about this one, Rob? Carolina 8, Vancouver 6. Uh, it was not a very good uh, third period for the Vancouver Canucks, who went into the third leading 5-2 and then gave up six goals against in the third period. I think Willie Desjardins, he might be on thin ice in Vancouver. San Jose comes from behind to beat the Maple Leafs 3-2 in a shootout. Arizona over Detroit 4-1. The Predators knock off the Blues 6-3. Minnesota doing well over Florida 5-1 tonight, and the Stars beat the Ducks 6-2. Western Hockey League, Prince Albert Raiders in overtime, 4-3 over the Edmonton Oil Kings. You played in PA. They were in the league. They were in the league. When I played, they were tough. They had a defensive pairing of Ken Baumgartner and Dave Manson, who were two very, very tough NHL defensemen. They were scary tough when they were playing in the Western Hockey League. A lot of lines would go down, see them, and dump the puck in and change. (laughs) All right, let's go into the Oilers' dressing room. Here's winger Milan Lucic. I think obviously we had a good start. We had a great first period, but unfortunately we weren't able to, you know, sustain the sustain that play for for 60 minutes, and uh, our power play couldn't get anything goalie going. Uh, their goaltender was definitely their best player and made some huge saves for them. And uh, you know, we knew going into the game that they're that we were going to have to find a way to beat them and and we didn't do a good enough job of that and then you know we come out to start the third and it takes us almost 11 12 minutes for us to get a our first shot on net so uh like i said good start you know didn't keep it going for 60 minutes and uh, i think that's a big reason why we lost tonight i know you don't want to use fatigue as an excuse but do you think it played a factor tonight i don't think so uh you know, we had more than enough rest over the last two days to, to be ready for this one. I mean, like I said, you know, you saw it in the first period that, you know, we had the energy that we wanted. But like I said, also, we we just couldn't sustain it. It looked like a team that only has five losses. I mean, they hung in after the first period. Whether the storm was a goal was so good and then... Yeah, and, you know, he weathered the storm on the four-minute power play we had as well, and he made uh, three, four huge saves on us. And, um, you know, that's when we have opportunities like that and they're not going in, you know, we got to find a way to not get frustrated and kind of, you know, keep the momentum going and keep the pressure on. And, and uh, but, you know, we, uh, we didn't get the job done. We weren't hungry enough around the net and weren't able to get more than one past them. Read that's more on that, Cheech. Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers' dressing room tonight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Oilers were hearing the same thing. I mean, <laughs> the visiting team took over the game as they went along. Oilers uh, won't skate tomorrow. Todd McClellan indicated uh, maybe some meetings or a light skate on Thursday, and they're getting ready to play the Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday night. I think they're they're going to find rest. They're going to be able to reunite with their families. Now it's Wenberg. Just have a little bit of... Uh, a little downtime, and uh, you need it. it, not only physically but mentally. You need some downtime. They're going to get it, and they're going to be refreshed for a few more games before the Christmas break. So right now they're in a nice stretch where they're going to get a ton of rest between these three days and the four or five days that they have over the Christmas. All right, so Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Next Oilers broadcast Saturday, 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Rob, always a pleasure. It was fun. That's our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. Thanks to our studio producers this evening, Matthew Panashik and Patrick Bauer, our engineer here at Rogers Place. 
Troy Bowler. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandish Team Broadcast Center. Have a great night.